I, I like to call them EDM sets. It's a, okay. it's a concept that I, I got from Paul Carter, who's a, 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 a coach that writes for T Nation, um, estimated daily maxes. Okay. So what I like about that approach is that it takes auto-regulation into, into, into consideration. So some, some days people walk into a training session feeling like a rock star. Other days they come in feeling not so great. So if I say, hey, we're going to, we're going to hit a, a three EDM today on your trap bar deadlift, meaning we're going to hit uh, uh, estimated daily max of three for that day. We're just going to, we're going to take as many buildup sets as we need to hit that number. We're going to hit it, and then after that, we're going to, we're going to stay there and maybe do some singles with it. Because cool. if I know they can, if they can do it for three, you know, I know with, with good technique and it, it looks solid, um, I know that we can probably get several sets of singles in with the same weight. And if I have people do like, for example, an EDM of five, so a heavy set of five, I'll say we're gonna hit that number five, and then we're gonna, we're gonna stay there and do, sets of, do triples at that number. Hi, I'm Pete McCall. And welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. That voice you heard in the beginning is third-time guest, Tony Gentlecore. Tony operates the Core Studio in Brookline, Massachusetts, which is just outside of Boston. In addition, he's a writer, a content creator, and just an all-around awesome guy. If you've never read his blog, TonyGentlecore.com, I highly recommend you do that. <laughs> He puts out great content. He, he puts out exercise information, ex exercise how-tos, the type of lifts that you should be doing. In addition, he does a great breakdowns of 80s movies and techno music. So it's just, it's a well, he's a well-written blog that covers a lot of stuff that you might find interesting, entertaining, and informative. So I highly recommend TonyGentleCore.com. This interview happened because I was in Boston recently to do an old boys rugby tournament, and I needed to turn it into a work trip. I was able to schedule a meeting at Harvard on the afternoon. I was able to go to the lab. I had been speaking with a professor in a group there doing some interesting stuff and was able to check that out. But the morning was spent with Tony at his studio in Brookline. And we're just talking about fitness and life and strength training and, and how we've changed our workouts as we've gotten a little bit older. I turned 49 this summer. Tony's a few years behind me. And we just share our experience, share what we do, share how we stay fit how we make time for exercise. And, and here's a little secret, folks. Even though we work in the fitness industry, even though our careers are based on helping people exercise and get fit, sometimes when you do this, it's still kind of hard to, to motivate to go out and, and do your own workouts. And so we talk about strategies for how we make that possible. There's a lot of great insights in here, a lot of great tidbits. You're gonna get a lot of great information about ways that you can use exercise to enhance your quality of life. And this is the wrap up for the month of June, 2021. I've been doing a series of interviews focused on men's health. We had Dr. Anthony Balduzzi with the Fit Father Project. We had Vance Hines who lost a tremendous amount of weight. We had Ron Williams, a natural bodybuilder. And today is Tony Gentlecore, strength coach and author. If you wanna learn a little bit more about exercise and fitness and how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life, go to PeteMcCallFitness.com at PeteMcCallFitness.com. You can sign up for my email. I'll send you one or two emails a month. A lot of great information there. You can check down below in the show notes. I got a couple eBooks, Functional Core Training, Dynamic Anatomy. These eBooks will help you learn more about exercise and how you can design workout programs that work for you. Just a little heads up. We recorded this in Tony's studio. 
sound quality could be better, but there's so much great content in here. I'm going to run with it and make it work for you. This is a great conversation. We talk about everything. It really is. And this is just, Tony's a great guy. He's one of the smartest, hardest working coaches I know. So here we are with coach, content creator, father, and husband, Tony Jumpercourt. All right, today we are here in CORE in Brookline, Massachusetts with Tony Gentlecore. Hello. How you doing, Tony? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we're talking about. Do we talk to each other? Do we talk yeah, to the camera? This, this might be a little awkward because I don't know if I'm going to look in the camera, if I'm going to look at Pete. I, I I we are doing audio, too, for the, for the <laughs> listeners. So, so this will be on, for listeners, this will be on oh, YouTube. Okay, so we're I'm actually not. in Tony's place. Yeah. So there's going to be, I'm trying to do multimedia, man. I'm trying to expand. You're smart. I mean, yeah, that's something I was like, yeah, of course, that makes a lot of sense. To be YouTube. So, so. <laughs> how's it going, dude? I'm doing good. Uh, it is, uh, you're here now. Like, uh, it's pretty, for, for New England, this is pretty good weather. Yeah, no, I know. That's, I, uh, it's we're, we're a day away. I think we're, the next four days are going to be 90 plus. So today's 80. Well, and, and uh, having, so it's good. We're happy. Having only lived, having only lived in New England two years, and this is what I remember about living in Boston. You have winter, 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 and what they call it, uh, repair season. Yes. A road repair season. Yes. And definitely felt that on the yes. on the shuttle bus this so morning. Memorial Day weekend last weekend was awful. It rained and rained and rained. Uh, so we're excited to have four sunny days in a row, which yeah. never happens. <laughs> well, no, people don't understand. I mean, when, we, when we first moved, to, when we first moved to Boston or from from Boston to San Diego. For like the first three months, every weekend we're outside, yeah. every you know, because it's gorgeous, right? Yes. Then finally, my my ex and I, we looked at each other. You know, we can probably hang out inside. Yeah, we can bit, probably yeah. spend Sunday inside. You know, and just, San Diego. I've never been, but I've always heard it, it doesn't get too too hot. No, yeah, no, San Diego is like perfect. One day I'll get there. Yeah, it's it's one of the, <laughs> but it's one of those areas where like literally the hottest time of year is between like mid August and, and late September. And that's it. The rest of the year was it eighty-five? Nah, it gets ninety. It gets. Okay, but right. for every mile inland you go, it gets a temp- degree yeah. hotter. So if you're on the coast, yeah. it's fine. But that's where everybody wants to live. But we're not here. We're not here talking we're real not estate. We're going to talk weather. No, we're, no, we're no. not here talking about real estate. We're here talking conditioning. We haven't seen each other in a while, so no. we're just catching up. Yeah, so. no, exactly. That's what. It, and, and, and too, and what I want to do though is I want to stay away. This is the only time I want to mention it because I want to stay away from all this post-COVID nonsense. Because I'm sure I think everybody's kind of like sick of talking about it. Everybody. I don't know if you saw. <laughs> Saturday Night Live. There's a great Saturday Night Live skit about this the same post-COVID action. I haven't seen you in forever and da, 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 talk about the whole thing. Yeah. But we're here in, in core training. Yep. What is your approach to, to strength and conditioning? Because what I, what, what's interesting about you, Tony, and where I want to go this conversation is you've worked with athletes mm-hmm. and now I'm sure you probably still work with a couple athletes. Mm-hmm. But you work primarily with the average person, right? I do. And so I want to talk about strength and conditioning for the average individual. So yeah, you're right. I early in my career uh, with at Crusty Sports Performance, I worked with predominantly athletes, uh, in particular baseball players. But there, I worked with a, a number of Gen Pop clients as well. Here in my studio, um, the, I know the people listening can't see it, but the people watching see it. It's not a massive joint, yeah. uh, but I work predominantly Gen Pop here. I would say 95% of them are between the ages of 35 to 50. Um, you know, Brookline, you know, the part of Boston I'm located is, is a very white collar uh, affluent area. So, um, you know, I don't, there's not many professional athletes walking around <laughs> the streets of Brookline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but here, like, I'm, I very much took the same uh, approach that I use with uh, athletes at Crusty Sports Performance. And I, I do want to make people ath- or feel athletic. 
um, you know, when I'm working with them here. And it is a no-frills approach. Like, I, I have an Air 9 bike, or well, an Echo bike. I have a Versa climber. And that's really the only pieces of equip a cardio equipment I have. The rest of it is like, I'm gonna teach people to hinge properly, I'm gonna teach people to squat properly. They're gonna push stuff, they're gonna pull stuff, they're gonna carry stuff, they're gonna throw stuff. Um, my job as their coach is to find the right dosage uh, and to find the right variations of those lifts that are, that are, that are catered to their injury history, of course, uh, their goals and certainly their ability level. So, well, real quick with the Versa Climber, mm -hmm. how long have you been using the Versa Climber? How long has that I been? bought that uh, during COVID. Okay, okay. <laughs> there was a gym that unfortunately shut down, Yeah. Uh, and they were selling some equipment. Um, well, actually, it wasn't shut down. It was a, it was a colleague of mine who was moving from uh, Connecticut uh, down south in North Carolina, and he had a, a garage gym, and he was getting rid of a lot of his equipment. Um, so I was like, it was, it was relatively unused, and um, the price was right, so I rented a, a rental truck and drove the, the two-hour trek down to I think it was Hartford, okay. uh, and bought it. Um, but you're asking like when I use it, or yeah, how I yeah, use like because yeah, um, I, I usually use it as part of a finisher okay. at, the, at the end. So I, I like people to do like I, I I often approach my program is like there's like a main lift or like a, a money lift of the day. Yeah. So whether it's a, a heavy-ish deadlift or a heavy-ish front squat, maybe a bench press. You know, they're, they're lifting something heavy. And when I say heavy, I'm not, I'm not testing one rep maxes. I'm, I'm not training power lifters. Um, but we might be working up to something like a, a, a heavy set of five or maybe a heavy triple or a set of three. Um, I, I like to call them EDM sets. It's a, okay. it's a concept that I, I got from Paul Carter, who's a, a, a coach that writes for T Nation, um, estimated daily maxes. Okay. So what I like about that approach is that it takes auto-regulation into, into, into consideration. So some, some days people walk into a training session feeling like a rock star. Other days they come in feeling not so great. So if I say, hey, we're going to, we're going to hit a, a three EDM today on your trap bar deadlift, meaning we're going to hit uh, uh, estimated daily max of three for that day. We're just going to, we're going to take as many build-up sets as we need to hit that number. We're going to hit it, and then after that, we're going we're gonna to stay there and maybe do some singles with it. Because cool. if I know they can, if they can do it for three, you know, I know with, with good technique and it looks solid, um, I know that we can probably get several sets of singles in with the same weight. And if I have people do, like, for example, an EDM of five, so a heavy set of five, I'll say we're going to hit that number, five, and then we're going we're gonna to stay there and do, sets of, do triples at that number. Cool. Um, so... They're going to do that first, and, and and you found in your experience does that does that EDM does that fluctuate? Like it might be twenty five pounds more one week, and maybe sure. twenty five pounds sure. less another that, week. Sure, and that's that's what I like about it because it's not a true like max effort lift. That's not the point. Like I'm not somebody because I I don't like because I think a big mistake that a lot of people make when they get into forty plus. Uh, especially in the gen pops, they're always testing their strength. Mm. I gotta test it, I gotta test it. Yeah. And they're not building strength. Okay. So what I like about the EDM approach is that we're building strength. You're, you, again, it's taking into consideration that we're all tired from when our kids been home for the past year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it could be, you know, we're, we're now we're traveling back to work in, in person, um, you know, so just take, like I said, just takes into consideration like how you feel that day. 
Uh, we're not. It's not a true test of your absolute strength. But I want you to lift. I want you to lift some appreciable weight. But what I like about that is you're not being a slave to the number. No. Like you're not saying because I think some people get lost. Some um, whether it's it's regular you know individuals lifting or even other coaches and trainers is I think sometimes we get so stuck on a number that I need to be here. Like I need yeah. to do this lift at this amount this day. When in reality, I mean, why is it important to listen to your body? I mean, what's that allow you to do with your clients in terms it's of still the good, it just it just respects physio uh, physiology. So uh, you know. It, this is not to say that, I mean, there's, for some of my clients, I, I do go percentage-based training, say, hey, today we're hitting three sets of three at 75% or 80% or whatever, um, and they hit it. Um, but if I, if I start to see a trend where they're, they're missing reps or they're, they're, just, they just, they're feeling really worn down, then I'm like, hey, we, let, let's, let's switch to the EDM approach. Um, and it's just, it's just taking consideration that I want them to still get a good session in. Uh, whether it's breaking a sweat or just like getting something heavy in their hands or on their back. Um, but I'm not, I don't want to kill them. <laughs> and why uh, is that so important? I mean, what I like about that is that, it, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to speak with you, is just so people know, I, I also spoke to Robert Lankel. I think you know yep, Robert. Yep. And what I like about this is, this is this approach to using intensity as we age not backing off of it, but respecting the physiology. Yeah. What's the benefit of the heavy lifting? I mean, why, why do you do you focus I, on I like it just because it reminds the body to keep muscle. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Uh, you know, I often say, like, when it, even when it comes to, like, uh, if someone's goal is fat loss, for example, like, they, you know, they're going to reduce calories and they might up their cardio a little bit. I think a big mistake that a lot of people make, even if fat, lo fat loss is their goal, is that they, they sacrifice a lot of lean muscle, mm -hmm. which we don't want, in, in lieu of like trying to lose body fat, whereas I, it, with 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 strength training, the idea is like I want you to maintain as much muscle as possible, especially in the caloric deficit. Um, but as we age, I mean, the studies will say like we lose a certain amount of lean muscle every I don't know, is it every decade? Or, every yeah, every decade. Um, yeah. You know, and to me, I just think it's important to remind the body to keep muscle. And strength is more neural anyway. It isn't really about the muscle mass. So, you know, it's just, you know, a lot of the, a lot of gains we make with, with generic strength training is more neural. And um, what was interesting, because what I like about this and what, what really is I was doing the research for ageless intensity. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the reasons why I sent you the, the PDF of it is what I realized, Tony, is there's a huge gap out there in the literature. And if you think about this, because 20 years ago when we were young and we were young trainers and we started looking at this stuff, everything for training the older adult was based on sedentary populations. Yep. The research was done on people who don't train. But now, if you're working with somebody in their 50s, they've probably been working out a good chunk of their life, right? Likely. They probably, I mean, like us. I mean, we. Well, we're, we live in it. We're, we're uh, a generation that kind of, like, weight training became more of a, a daily life thing. In the 80s, yeah. Yes. And that's one of the reasons why I love reading your stuff yeah. on your blog, is I love your references to the movies. <laughs> I love, because, but, but really, I mean, I think for both of us, that's why, that's why I align with you so much, is I think both of us were motivated to start lifting by because the man. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Exactly. I mean, and so it's alone and Van Damme and, and, and all that <laughs> stuff. But, but I, I, I think, but to the point, to that point now is we're dealing with a generation of people in their fifties and sixties who've been exercising for 30 sure. or 40 years. Now they maybe some yo-yo for sometimes they get busy with work and they don't train yeah. for a couple years, but at least they got introduced to strength training early on. So has that been your experience? I mean, I'd be interested, like, what do you, what do you see in your clients that come in that might be brand new in their forties and fifties 
how experienced are they to doing this type of Most training? Of the, I mean, I, I live in a little bit of a bubble. Like I kind of have a self-selecting clientele because they, either they're familiar with my writing or they've been following my writing for a while. They know my history of Krusty Sports Performance. Not to mention they might be reading some stuff I wrote on Men's Health or Teen Nation. So they kind of, when people come to me, they generally know what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. Like, they are going to deadlift, they are going to squat, um, but again, my job is to like audit their technique. A lot of times that's kind of what they're looking for. Like they're interested, like I understand I'm not 25 anymore, but I still want to get after it and I, might, I want to make sure I'm doing it safely. Um, or maybe I've had a hard time getting to a certain threshold of strength that I've been chasing and I, I, every time I get to that, that close to it, my, my back blows out or my knees start hurting or whatever. Um, so they just want me to kind of audit their technique and, and, and kind of be that self-regulator of, of uh, what I would say recoverable volume. And that's, that's another reason why I like that EDM approach is that you know, to me, if they if using that approach is like the likelihood they're going to recover from that workout is pretty high, and that way they're they're going to come back again in, a, in another day or two and, and hit it hard again as well. And so, what do you? So when you, they come in, and how many times a week do you recommend doing that, like heavy lifting? Like how many um, times a week will you see somebody for? Most of my clients, like how I use my um, my model here is most most of my clients I see once or twice a week. I have a handful that come in two or three times a week. One one of which comes in four times a week. I love that client. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, right? <laughs> hey, we all, but we all, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But we all, because there are, I mean, those some of those clients become the foundation. Oh man! And but they're, uh, and they're, they're great people for people that train like that. And well, I'll go into it now because I look at it, Tony. There are three types of clients. You have clients that are relatively short term. They might have like a short term goal. They're training for a race. They're training for an event. They're sure. training for whatever a wedding race, or they just want to learn how to train themselves. That's a relatively short term goal. You have maybe some of the people that are doing intermediate goals. Maybe they're doing more of a marathon. Maybe mm -hmm. it's a longer term event. And then you have long-term clients like those executive clients that are just like, here's my black card. I love to train. I don't want to think about it. I want to show up here sure. four days a week and I want you. I mean, would you agree with that kind I of? I have all three. Yeah, uh, exactly, yeah. Um, but again, like, no, I've been, I've been in this studio. F I, I just signed my, my, my sixth lease. I go year to year. Uh, and I have to say my retention's pretty high. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have I have a group of clients that started me once I left Cressy Sports Performance. They were here in 2015. They're still here, um, but the bulk of my clients do stay with me for several months, if not a year plus. But I do. But you're right. I do get I do get the all three. Um, you know, Boston is a very endurance based community because of the marathon. Mm -hmm. So certainly, I'll, at certain times of the year, I'll see an influx of runners coming yeah. in because they're beat up and they're like, oh, and, you know, what's nice that is that more and more are recognizing the benefits of strength training and helping with the runners. So I say, why don't we take away, why don't we take a, reduce a little bit of your running volume Let's let's get rid of let's get rid of some of those medium day runs, yeah, yeah, yeah. which are kind of superfluous anyways for yeah. most most of the time, yeah. and replace that with some strength training so we can improve your running economy, improve rate of force production. So like you're putting more force into the ground with each step, so you can actually propel yourself forward faster. Yeah. Not to mention the resiliency and like you know. It's funny because you say that I, I think of I think of that 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 fear that someone gets like if you tell someone who, who is big on bench pressing, you're, you'd probably say you know let's not bench press as much. If you tell somebody's uh -huh. big into running, yeah. you tell them not to run as right. much. And what's that? I mean, number one, why would you say that for a runner or, or for a bench press? So we can use that example. Why would you say, I understand bench press is your goal, 
maybe let's not do it. Well, it's just wear and tear. I mean, especially with with, uh, individuals that I work with that are 35, 40 plus into their 50s, it's just wear and tear in the joints. Um, And again, it's that whole idea of like, you know, building strength rather than testing it all the time. Um, With with the endurance runners that I've worked with, um, most of the time they've already come to me under, like they they might've been to an orthopedist who recommended them to me say, I think a little strength training might help with your knees and your hips are always hurting. Like, I think a little strength training will help because I mean, how many steps in a mile? Yeah. I mean, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of wear and tear on the joints. So a lot of the benefits of the strength training is that it's going to help them recover in general, but also from their runs, which yeah. is important to them. So if I just frame it in that context, saying, "Hey, I'm not here to make you a power lifter. Like the, the your like your goal is not to like squat as much weight as possible or deadlift as much weight as possible. But I do think these 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 exercises are going to help you recover, and that not not to mention they're going to help you. Um, uh, run faster and even in, even in a marathon like the idea is that whoever runs it quickly when it is yeah. that's good it yeah, isn't yeah. how how who can run the longest it's, it's like not how can, much you can suffer no, how not, much pain not you can be <laughs> not at all and you know and and, and the, the number of uh, athletes that i've worked with here who are who are you know pretty good i mean i, I have a, a sub three hour marathoner oh, that's pretty legit yeah, yeah legit and he reduced 10 minutes off his time um, which is pretty darn good. Yes, that's good. If you're <laughs> sub three, you yeah, got so 10, he, that's pretty, he went yeah, from really like good. just over over three hours, and he just ran a two forty eight. Oh, that's awesome. Um, you know, the the marathon's been canceled the last two years, and yeah. I, it might, I think it might be coming back this fall. But he just did um, a trial run, a trial marathon, like I don't know, maybe a month ago, uh, and he broke his his his, his best time. I mean, and so. Uh, he, he's, he's in. Like, well, what's funny is that's one of the things, again, I want to try to stay away from that topic, but I think one of the best things about the COVID period is maybe for some of these people that are so stuck on their fitness programs, there was a period of forced recovery. That yeah, maybe sure. doing some home workouts, sure. maybe kind of shifting a little bit. Because I don't know about you, but I think there's a probably maybe 20% of gym, like anything else in the world, I look at things like a bell curve, right? Like think of teaching a workshop. If you teach a workshop, there's probably 20% of the people in the workshop, like you and I, where they would go to any workshop, they, they, it's in their area because they're geeks and want to learn. Mm-hmm. Then there's probably 20% of that workshop that's just there because they need CECs and because their certification expired last yep. month. They just, they, okay, this is going on here. I need CECs. I'm going. It's going yep. And they're the people that, they're usually the people that say, when do we get out? When's lunch? And do whatever. Just, you're just trying to keep them from interrupting everybody else. But that's why I look at, for, for there are 20% of people that come to the gym that are just, they overtrain. Sure. And I think that, that the period forced them into recovery. And a lot of, yes. Uh, and that, and, I, and there, there is oftentimes where I have to like, pump the brakes on people like they they just like they want to be tortured during their session that's not what i do it's yeah, like no, i'm not yeah. i'm not here i i i can do i can do stupid stuff and make you sore <laughs> and like hurt and yeah, suffer yeah. Yeah, yeah um but uh that's not what i'm here to do i want i actually want to make you better and, and like let, let's make oh i lost my mic well, let's make some tangible goals that we can that we can work toward um because eventually i i love it because it clicks like somebody Part of what uh, um, makes me happy as a coach is when I can get somebody to do something that two months ago they couldn't do. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's doing something pain-free or whether it's like, you know, being able to perform a chin-up. Well, isn't um, that the best thing? When it's like somebody comes back in and they say, I did X and it always either hurt me or I couldn't do X or, I mean, how empowering is that? It's awesome. Um, that That's, I mean, that's, Partly the reason why I became a coach, just because I, I like helping people, and I, I get a, a, an immense sense of satisfaction when I can prove to somebody that they can do stuff. Um, 
you know, I have a, a term I use called tra the trainable menu. Um, you know, I, I get many people come in, you know, coming off rehab or injury or, may, or, even, or maybe they're just deconditioned. And I say, let, let's focus on what you can do rather than you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's find your trainable menu. I, I always uh, love that. I love, like, let's focus on what you can do. Let's yeah. not worry about what you can't do. Let's, right. that, that doesn't matter. Let's, let's double down on that. Now, I want to ask you a little bit about, because you reference, you write for T Nation. Mm -hmm. You've written for T Nation for a, lot, for, for a while. You, you do some writing for Men's Health. Do you think in your mind over the last number of years, and, and obviously you have a little bit of a, of a stake in the game, but do you think that the general fitness information to the consumer has gotten better? Over the past number uh, of years, I think yes, but but then it, but one <laughs> there's a lot. That's of information a loaded. I mean, there. that's a loaded. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of information out there, and I think if anything, there's just there's a lot of overload. People are confused, like, well, so and so said this, but then I read somebody else say this was the exact opposite of what this article said, and so I think we're now at a point where people just become super confused on like what to eat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not to mention like, oh, okay, well, how should I be training in the gym? Is, should I be lifting heavy weight? Should I go low, low, low rep, high, or low weight, high rep? Um, to me, I usually say the answer is a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I had a client the other day ask me like, who just restarted, we haven't, we haven't worked together in a couple of years. And he's like, you know, what, what is the best? Should I be lifting heavy? Should I be doing lighter loads? And I was like, honestly, the best approach is doing a little bit of everything. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, you should have heavy days, you should have medium days, and you should have low days. And, you know, and, 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 and then it goes into my EDM approach. And um, every workout shouldn't be a ball buster. And some days, yeah, you, you know, I'm gonna push you and we're gonna, you're gonna drag ass out of here. Other days, you're gonna feel like you can do more. And honestly, my preference for most of my clients, if not actually all of my clients, is is to I think it's a good thing for them to leave a session feeling like they could do more. That's actually um, yeah, I like that. I, I, like, I, I to me, yeah. I feel like I know they did good work. It isn't yeah. to say that it was like you know I, I it was a super easy workout. They did some good work, but if they leave a session feeling like they could do more, to me that just tells me they're going to recover. Yeah, and they're you know assuming that they're you know adequate calories, they're getting enough sleep, etc. Um, that they're they're going to be able to come back and get after it again. Yeah. So well, let's let's go back because I always look at like I've read a lot of the Russian literature, right? And the I Russians, have not. well, no, but I mean, <laughs> but they would look at, but they would look at, they want their athletes they, if they're training, like say they're doing a training cycle, and they want their athletes to be slightly undertrained as opposed to overtrained, because they know if you're slightly undertrained, what happens when the gun goes off or what happens when the whistle blows? You know, you get cortisol, you get epinephrine pumping in you, and, sure. and there's that extra step. And I, I love that idea of you. You like to have somebody. Be knowing they could do and more. That's what Gen Pop. I mean, certainly, you know, if we're talking athletes, there's certainly a case to be like overreaching and super compensation and all that stuff. So I, I can get a little bit in the Russian yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but for for the for the bulk of the people that I'm working with, that's that's a that's a that's a non-starter. Like who exactly. cares? Like yeah. we're not. You're not. You're, the, the zombie apocalypse is not happening. Yeah. So we're not, I mean, no way it's not. No, no wait, what? <laughs> um, so maybe we, we train for something like that. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But um, to me, it's it's all about. Uh, just leaving session like you could do more. And I mean, to steal from Paul Carter again, like I, I like this idea of 80% workouts. So similar to your bell curve, yeah, 20% uh, of your workouts are going to be like you know you you break PRs, personal records, like you you hit a you, you hit a new lift that or a new threshold or a higher lift. 20% of the time, it's your your garbage. 80% of the time, you're just going to show up. You're going to get your reps and you're going to leave. And honestly. It's those 80% workouts, that consistency is where you get the results. I like that, yeah. Like that, good, that yeah. so that to me is, is essentially my mantra yeah. uh, as a coach now. It's like, uh, 
I understand that. Yes, yeah, some days you're gonna again you're gonna you're gonna come in here and like let's go. Yeah. And like okay, we'll we'll lean into that. Let's 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 you know I might have, I might have had planned like a pretty easy workout today, but if you're feeling pretty good, let's yeah let's let's work let's up to a heavy set. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you you've you've seen this too. You have some clients where a certain program is 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 planned for that day, and they walk in, you can just tell that they're like they're wiped. Yeah. Um, so I'll say, well, I, and I, I call it a bloop, bloop, bloop workout. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is like anyone who played Super Mario Brothers growing up, <laughs> when little Mario became big Mario, bloop, bloop, bloop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the idea of a bloop, bloop, bloop workout is like, okay, what I'll do is I'll set up like 10 like light-ish exercises, like maybe some pl light plow, like skipping, uh, TRX row, push-up, med ball throw. Goblet squat. I'll set up like eight to ten easy-ish exercises in a row. We're just going to do that in a circuit, and we're going to do that five times through. And at the end of that workout, you're probably going to feel better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're going to feel energized, um, but you did something. Well, isn't that the so, point? Isn't that the point of exercise, though? Right, sure. just to feel better. And I think, do you think that we still have this myth out there? No pain, no gain. Yes. I mean, because I look at, it, especially once you go over the age of forty, and I, and I preach about this all the time on the podcast. So for listeners, I'm sorry, but it's always good to hear it from somebody else. Repeated exposure. But but it's like but it's no sense in beating yourself up. It's you want to walk out of a session as you described feeling great. And what do you have clients do? So if you see people two or three times a week, mm -hmm. what do you recommend they do on the other days? Uh, I still write the programming that they do on the other days, so I know what they're doing. Okay. Okay. Because usually the bulk of my clients, they, they're like I said, they're here once or twice a week. Um, and part of part of what they pay for is me to write their program that ah. they do at Equinox or okay. at Home Gym or anything like that. So I do kind of know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and okay. and I would say my clients generally are training three to four times a week total anyway. Um, and you know if they're training four days a week, it's usually pretty standard: two upper body days, two lower body days. Maybe I'll do a push pull legs. Um, if they're training three days a week, which to me is generally a, a good ballpark number for most people because it's a non-intimidating number. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can train three days a week. Uh, that's full body. So, you know, I'm trying to hit those those movement patterns uh, each session. And why and why a full body workout as opposed to, because I know we, we've grown up, right? I mean, sure. Arnold in Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding was back and biceps one day, chest and triceps, shoulders and traps, at, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just, but why? So full why body to me, I mean, from a, a physiological standpoint, you're, you're, you're hitting multiple muscle groups multiple times a week, so then there's, there's more protein turnover and, and all that stuff. So like, you know, you're just, you're just uh, um, uh, stimulating uh, muscle groups more often, but with, with a little break in between. Uh, so and then we can also make a case for a caloric expenditure. You know that they're probably going to be burning some more calories during a session, doing a full body workout, than just working on their biceps during a session. Yeah. You know, and don't get me wrong. There's a time and place for an arm day. Yeah, yeah, yeah Like yeah. don't don't get me. I'm not opposed to yeah, that. Yeah. So, uh, but I think for most people's goals, most of the time, particularly at 40 plus, um, you know, they just they there's there's some aesthetic, like they they just don't want to be fat. But then there's some strength too. Uh, and I just find like a full body approach is usually the best well, time efficient way to do it. And let's face it, like arm days are best for those days when your clients are, are, are you know, when they're at the office and they're, and they're in their casual, you know, maybe their Friday casual, you want them to do a little drop set going back so their sure. arms are blown out when they get, yeah. When they go right. happy hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah blow out their And arms. I know, and I, I mean, I'm not dumb. I, I've yeah. been doing this for two decades. I, I know that they're going to be doing that stuff anyway. <laughs> so, so at least give them, at least give them some structure. So right? I, yeah, if anything, yeah, you're exactly. So yeah. if it, the, the, my program is their structure. Um, but I, but even during their sessions when they're with me, like I'll, I, as long as they get through their program and my programs are, 
designed to be done within 60, 75 minutes. You know, if they get done a little bit early and, and there's a five to 10 minute window to do a, a, um, a gun show or arm farm or, you know, or, 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 <laughs> or even a glute like finisher yeah, yeah, yeah. or anything like that, um, I'll give it to them. Yeah. I, mean, I, it, I do think it's important to give them a little bit of what they want. Um, and to me, it, it, it helps um, uh, build autonomy uh, and competency. And it gets them a little bit more motivated to do their workout when I give them a, a window to say, hey, free, you got free time. Let's, what, or maybe they'll, or they'll say, Tony, I have five minutes. Give me, some, give me a, a quick yeah. uh, arm finisher to do. And it, if it gets them jazzed up to do it, then, then that, that's let's a, go for that's it. As long as, they did what, as long as they got through what I wanted them to do, yeah. um, I have no issues with Well, I want to shift gears here real quick and ask you a couple of questions about yourself. Like, oh, let's say, uh, I'm going to put you on the couch. No, no, really what I want to ask about. My wife's a psychologist. Yeah. That, would, that would not intimidate me. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. No, I don't want to get that. That would not detail. intimidate me. But what I, what, I, what, what I want to ask is, like, where do you get your information? I mean, you've, refer, you've dropped a couple of people that you, that you read from, and I know you probably, as well as writing for T-Nation, you probably read T-Nation as well. But where do you get, like, when you, what, what kind of gets your, gives you new ideas? Where do you, Kind of what kind of gets you? I mean, I think like everyone else. Fun. I mean, even even when I'm just perusing Instagram uh, and social media, like I, I I find oh that's a cool idea or that's I mean of late I really I've really been uh, digging a lot of Katie St Clair stuff. Okay. Um, and she, I think you referenced her. Yeah, she yeah she goes you. she goes into a lot more of like breathing mechanics and pelvic floor. But and and honestly, the best course of late I've taken is Sarah Duvall, Dr. Sarah Duvall's. Um, Postpartum and pregnancy um, certification. What would you? What was the take, big takeaway from it's that? It's just like you know, fifty percent of my clients are women, yeah. and whether they've had a baby two months ago or two years ago, once you're postpartum, you're always postpartum. I mean, and and there's residual effects that happen that aren't addressed right away that yeah. can that can manifest or, or stick around for long, long, long periods of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and so you know, in terms of like pelvic floor dysfunction and incontinence and diastasis so I mean it only makes sense for me to know have a little bit of a knowledge base on that and so. I, I giggled a little bit because my ex-wife would teach a jump rope class and she found that when she went back to that even I think two or three years after our youngest daughter was born she would still sure. have some leak and yeah. I, I'm not trying to embarrass her but yeah. I understand that's a common that's issue stuff. post but like two yeah. or three years later that or every now and then when she was like in the first like six or eight months after our second daughter was born she was sneezing and sometimes you're oh crap because she wet yeah. herself a little bit yeah. but and i say that because yeah it comes down to pelvic floor strength it comes down and now did you think when you you know 20 years ago as a meathead that one day you dig learning no. about the pelvic floor i'd be like Ugh. <laughs> um, but to, to sarah's credit and she 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 is she lives in the boston area yeah um can i swear a little bit, yeah. Can I say shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. Her quote is like, you have to lift shit to fix shit. I like that, yeah. So, and I 100% am on board with that. Uh, so it isn't just doing breathing drills and Kegels. I mean, and not to mention like, the how you perform those drills yeah. are going to come into play. Well, let's take a look because breathing it comes from the diaphragm. The sure. diaphragm is an, is uh, is one of the essential core muscles, right? Yes. So uh, there's this there's this concept that I have leaned into, like the canister position, scissor position. Uh, scissor position is when your your ribs are flared out really really out, and, and then you're in you're in an anterior pelvic tilt. So essentially, your diaphragm's pointing up, your pelvic floor is pointing down. Yeah. That's a pretty unstable position, inefficient way of doing breathing. When we talk about breathing, we're not talking about oxygen exchange. Yeah. We're really talking about pressure 
and, and stability. Um, so the canister position and doing like a full exhale mm -hmm. and, and you, what we're trying to do is getting the pelvic floor and, and, and diaphragm to be stacked on top of one another and building context there. Well, for video, what I'm going to do is, is for video, I always taught the, the core is like the, a coffee cup. I'm yeah. holding a coffee cup yeah. right now. For listeners, the bottom is the pelvic floor, the, the top analogy. is the lid, and that's your diaphragm, and then this is your TVA, the the, yep. the heat shield is your transverse abdominis. So for years, that's how I would teach, if I was teaching perfect. a workshop about the core, I, I would say, it. you want to die, but it's like, because you look <laughs> at it, the coffee cup is a perfect analogy, right? Yes. Because you want that solid canister around the lumbar spine. Yes, and, and then we have to own it, and then, because if you can't do it doing a dead bug, or doing it unloaded, yeah, exactly. you're yeah. not going to have a prayer once you load somebody doing a goblet squat or a deadlift variation. So it's real. That's that. So to me, but well, isn't that so? Your, so your clients. I mean, don't your clients? Because when you do that, with, when you first start working with somebody, like if I were a brand new client and you start having me dead bug on the ground, I'm looking at like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, but, why am I doing this? But you know as well as I do, when they actually do the dead bug correctly, it's a whole different ball game. Like they they feel stuff turn on. Their soul turns on. Yeah. Yeah. Like. It's like, I like that. They're so because uh, I mean, I'll see Deb. Like I mean, I remember one case I had. I had a client of mine refer her dad to me who was having who had a history of lower back stuff. Yeah. And he came in and I started talking. I started talking bird dogs and dead bugs with him. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to all these physical therapists. I do bird do bird dogs and dead bugs all the time. So I was like, Okay, just show me. And how he performed them was awful. Yeah. Now that might just be why he hadn't been to PT in a while. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe they taught it correctly, but my, my, my summation was that they probably didn't teach it correctly. So I actually took him through like, here's what a dead bug is actually supposed to feel like. Yeah. You know, your lower back stays glued to the floor. You do a full exhale, accentuated exhale. You feel your ribs come down. You feel your, your abs turn on. Now you now hover and own that position as your as your one leg is stretched out and the other arm is stretched out. And he was shaking. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that shaking is good. That means you're actually working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you, like stuff is turning on. And he's like, oh my God, and this, I never felt it this way before. Um, so it's just, it really, even even the simple stuff, if they're, if they're executed poorly, they serve no purpose. Hey, that's so, great. Um, so yes, you're right. Whenever I bring up, like many people are familiar with a dead bug where you lie on your back and a bird dog which, when you're on your hands and knees and you extend your arms and legs out. Most people are familiar with those exercises and they're very simple looking exercises and they are very simple exercises, but they do serve a purpose. You want a stable core while you move your extremities. Because again, if you, can't, if you can't own the position during those two exercises, once you start moving with a barbell on your back, yeah, and, you, and you're not you're not pressurizing and, and, and intradominal pressure. You're not owning that canister position. You're kind of setting yourself up for possibly something bad happening down the road. Yeah. Um, so that's really where I come at. Like I really hone in on because the dead bug is my favorite core exercise. That 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 is like home base because you once you once I build context on the floor and they and they feel it. They're like oh my god that's. It's way harder than I remember doing. I was like, yeah, because you're doing it correctly. Well, then the way the analogy I would always use with clients is, if you're building the house, what are you doing? Are you going to pick out? Are you going to pick out the curtains before you lay the foundation? Some people would. Uh, well, that's, just, <laughs> that's the point, right? It's like, why would you go through the process of picking out the curtains and, and putting in the landscaping if you haven't even laid the foundation and framed the house? Right. We got to lay the foundation first. We got to build the frame. Then we can work on what the exterior is going to look like. And then, I, and, that, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And, and, and as a coach, like once I see the light bulb go off on them when they're doing a bird dog or a dead bug, and they see like, oh my God, I've never felt it that way before. Then that kind of sells itself. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, then yes, the house analogy would come into play. This is why we build the foundation first, because then the curtains are over here. Exactly. When we, yeah. when we squat. 
Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's all about building context. So you did the postpartum, and what other where, where else do you get your uh, researches? You know, I, just the same old old guard as usual, like Dan John, Mike Robertson, Eric, of course. Um, I'm reading more. Uh, I, I'm I, <laughs> uh, I several of my colleagues. Um, I saw a book they were recommending a couple weeks ago, like m many of them, called uh, um, Never Split the Difference. Mm. Uh, it's on negotiating. Okay. Um, and now that I'm going to be negotiating a new gym <laughs> space, I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah, arm yeah. myself. Um, but in terms of like, uh, like continuing, yeah, like I, you know, I actually was um, taking myself through Nick Tumanello's um, uh, Strength Symmetry Evaluation course, uh, which is, and I always enjoy Nick's stuff. He's a, he's a superb coach. Um, so there's many of the, these names are very familiar with yeah. that are very familiar names. So I'm still learning from them. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, with a, with a four and a half year old and a, and a, and a business, like I'm not like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not glued to my uh, continuing ed stuff like I should be, but, but you uh, pick stuff up. I'm it, picking stuff up. Yeah. And, and you see that, and I like the idea that the Instagram stuff, cause there is sometimes I scroll, scan through Instagram, I go, wait, stop and look at it. And I'm like, okay, who's this from? Where are they doing? What, what's the context of it? And you try to figure out more about why. Yeah, um, and my approach is a very, uh, you know, even before the pandemic, you know, it's going to come back soon. But other coaches would come in and observe and shadow, which is a, which I always enjoy. Yeah, I was like sure, come on in. I'm more more than happy to, you know, host you for a few hours. And my clients are used yeah. to it. Uh, and I'm gonna come they, back to that real quick. Yeah, and they always yeah. want to. They they're all, they always want to like look at my programs and like take a peek at them. Or, or and they're 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 sometimes flummoxed on like wow like I actually do a lot of the same stuff you're doing and you know like I, I thought it'd be like I think they they're 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 assuming they're gonna see some like fancy like shiny new stuff and it's like no like I think if you just do the simple stuff well and coach the crap out of them. Um, your your clients are going to get better, and my clients are pretty used to. I mean, sure, I'll I'll, I'll throw in some some uh, variety and you know yeah. take away have a little spontaneity in there. But well, I'm just thinking about because a lot of this comes down to I'm just thinking about the programs, right? Because I, I have the I have the opportunity to interview a lot of a lot of good people that do what we do, and yes, the programming can be relatively consistent. But a lot of what it comes down to is your individual personality. Sure. You attract what is it? Your vibe attracts your tribe, right? Yeah. And that's one of the people. One of the reasons why people come to you is they might. You're. I'm you're, cool. Yes. I'm very cool. <laughs> so you're saying, yes. No, but your, your approach. I mean, your 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 eyes come back to your John McClain references. Your 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 approach. But people like that, and and that's what I think a lot of people out there should recognize, should realize is that whether you go, whether you're going to you, Tony General Corps, or maybe they're going up to Wilburn with Mike, uh, Mike Boyle, mm -hmm. or they're, they're going to Nick, oh, where's Nick, I don't know, I forget where Nick is living. Nick's in Rhode Island now. Is he in Rhode Island? Yeah, and then, uh, you know, uh, Hudson, Cressy Sports Performance is, you know, Metro West. The, the programs should be relatively consistent. They're all, I mean, the programs yeah. should be very, very they're similar. They're all very similar. There's going to be very, a little bit of variation mm -hmm. here and there, but this program should be similar. And what really, what I think good coaches, one of the reasons why good coaches stand out is their personality, and it's the way that they can engage their clients. And, and I've talked about this with, with Gunnar Peterson, it's making people feel special. Sure. Making people feel like that they're, that they're special when you're with them. I think that's the important thing. Now again, I'm gonna come back and focus on you. Like, what are you doing with your workouts? Like, because one of the things, no, but the reason why I ask this is because you've been very, you talk about, and I've seen you post about, you have a coach. Yes. And, and why do you, for you, what's the benefit of, why uh, do you use a coach? I have a coach because the last person I want to write a program for is myself. <laughs> I write yeah, a lot of Yeah, I can't remember if you wrote that in a blog not. post. Or I think I did. I, just, I, I mean, coaches need coaches too. Yeah, yeah. I, but I do, I mean, selfishly, I use it as continuing ed as well, because like, Greg 
Robbins, who of the Strength House, who writes my who writes my programs, it, he is a uh, works with a lot of powerlifters. I'm not a competitive powerlifter, but I do like to lift heavy things. Yeah. Um. So you know, he 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 writes stuff like, oh, I never would have thought of doing this that way, or I never would have thought of that set rep scheme. Um. You know, of course I steal. Like I was like, oh, some of my clients are going to be doing some of that too. So uh, it's another way of, of keeping myself fresh and just different ways of doing things. So um, that's continuing yet as well. Um, but yeah, I, th I, I think one of the best things I've done in my career is just having somebody else write my programs for me. Because then I don't have to think, I mean, why? It's the same reason why people hire you as their coach. They don't want to do any thinking. Yeah, yeah, they definitely. want somebody to hold themselves accountable. Um, I say that's interesting because I like the way you, you, you put that out there when I, when I read that. It was like, you know, here you are, people come to you for your expertise. But then when it comes to your own workouts, you're like, I just want to turn it off. Yeah, I, I just don't. want to show up in the gym and I, go. Because I'm biased. Like, I. I, I, I know what I'm good at, I know what I'm bad at, and yeah. I do more of the good stuff than the bad stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So if, if it's written in, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's there's certain times I skip it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's But the, the point of a coach, right, is somebody to point out your weaknesses. Sure. Like, I've had I've had a couple of people, I've, like, there's one guy I used to work with, he's selling real estate now, so I need to, I need to find a new one. But I'd have him put me through the FMS every, every you know, once or twice a year, and mm -hmm. he's like, all right, what, what do I need to brush up on? Or to have yep. him, like, help me with my deadlift or help me with my swing technique because it's like I know you yeah. need that extra just eye. Get an audit. and yeah. I just need to I need to get back to that I'm probably gonna use, I was telling you about my friend Bobby with the baseball players yes. I'm gonna probably start working with him again just when I can fit it in now because I want to come back because are you still because you you hit 600 pounds in the deadlift a few years ago I did I interviewed uh, after I interviewed you I, after. the year it was actually I hit my 600 pound deadlift the year that I had my kid and okay. I turned 40 okay so the proof is in the pudding that just because you're over 40 doesn't mean you have to yeah, yeah. hang your cleats. Like you well, can, it's interesting because I had my I turned four, I had my kid when I turned 42, yeah. so I didn't realize that we we're in the same uh, boat there. And I, as it happens, last last spring at the beginning of COVID, I ruptured my Achilles down in Florida. Yeah, I wanted to ask I had you to about fly that, up yeah. here Oof. to get my surgery. Oof. Uh, and then, of course, did the rehab and whatnot. And I think my I had my surgery last June 1st, and I want to say. I think in February, it was either February or March, I hit a 560 deadlift. Okay, wow, um, okay. Which is like my, my post Achilles PR. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my training as of late is still the same. Like a lot of it was working around my Achilles and improving, and like I, I used a lot of my Instagram stuff at that time to, to do that trainable menu um, theme. And just saying, hey, you know, I can't use my right leg really all that much, but I can still train the crap out of my left leg. We get a little neural carry over to the right leg, and make my there, rehab there a little bit faster. There is research on that. Yeah, there uh, is. It's you know, and there's actually a lot of stuff I was doing for my right leg. You know, yeah. I was doing like kneeling. I was doing kneeling uh, block or kneeling rack pulls. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and where I just rested my affected leg on a bench while I set the, the barbell on the pins and was doing kind of like a a hinge. Yeah. Um, and then I, I mean, of course, I, I could still bench. I could still do chin ups. I could still do arms. Um, but uh, yeah, focus on what you can. Yeah, you but my my, my left leg got really strong. Yeah. I was doing a lot of like uh, half field yeah, yeah. split squats. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, I I even mentioned several times like, listen, I'm I'm training my left leg. I'm not worried about my left leg becoming yeah. like twice the size of my right or anything yeah. like that. Um, you know, I'm going to be able to bring up my my uh, my my right side eventually. But there is going to be a lot of neural there is carryover a, yeah, to yeah, that. Yeah, I forget what the technical side. term, but I, I, there is a technical yeah, term. Yeah, but um, but it's only going to make my rehab quicker. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I go for my year checkup next week with my surgeon. And what were um, you doing that caused the Achilles to blow? blow uh, I was <laughs> I was doing a, a jump back start. Okay. 
So basically you're standing in play, you do like a little hop up in the air and you, you land in a split stance. And then you My right up. foot behind my left. Yeah. And then, I, then the idea is to propel myself and go forward. So it was on that landing part of that really um, aggressive eccentric loading part of the right Achilles that I just collapsed to the floor. Oof. Um, you know, and it, yeah, it didn't feel great. Yeah. But um, yeah, full rupture of my Achilles. And you know, I think it was five days later, I was in Boston getting surgery. Well, and the reason why I asked, I mean, I mentioned this before we started recording, is that one of the biggest injuries for guys between the ages of 35 and 50 is that Achilles tendon yeah. rupture. And when I used to work at the Sports Club LA in DC, there we had basketball courts there. And guys would come in, they'd be, they'd be in their dress shoes all day, and they'd get out on the court and they wouldn't really warm up. Warm up and yeah. about once a month, we had the ambulance come in and cart somebody out who had it's yeah, gone up yeah. like a window shade in there. Yeah. And and what that what do you think is and, and not only do you assess your own injury, but what do you think the big reason for that is? Is that I mean cause so you I had no the thing with me is I had uh, Dan Pope is my, my go to PT in the area. He works at a champion physical therapy, Mike Reynolds place. Um, and I was going back and forth with him during rehab. Uh, and he said there was a certain percentage of uh, people who when they have a, a, a Achilles rupture, they actually feel uh, like the tendinopathy, like they feel pain. I had no pain. Yeah. Like there, it wasn't like I was like leaning up to that last one. I was like, oh man, my calf is kind of tight. Like there's nothing. It just happened. Yeah. Um, I think what happened with me is that it was early pandemic. Um, you know, we were down in Florida doing a lot of pool workouts. Mm. So, and once a week, my wife and I would drive the Jupiter to go to Cressy Sports Performance and try to like, hey, we get to lift some heavy stuff. And you know, I wasn't really. You know, <laughs> I wasn't like I was doing a lot of a lot of sprinting either. I was just doing, and I only did four that day. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I just think it was, was the loading. How far uh, was the drive to forty-five to minutes? And um, how far? Because I've noticed because when I got to California, because you know for years living on the East Coast, that there are a lot of people that that commute. You know, here in, I took the T here today to meet you. You yeah. picked me up at the train station, but I noticed in California that there's a little. I saw seeing seeing a lot of hip discrepancy between like right and left. Sure. Because in California, you're doing a lot more gas gas break Makes gas sense. break, and so you know and and sure I, some of that too. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, and again, there's no one single cause. There's but, no. There's probably several, but uh, um, you know, and I, I I'm not someone that does a lot of like you know like slow eccentric calf raises or yeah, anything. Yeah, exactly. like, I'm doing more yeah. of them now, of course, but, um, but uh, Are you yeah. gonna go back to sprinting or are you gonna go back to uh, I'm like, I would say at some point, I'm not, I don't have all, I don't have my full dorsiflexion okay. back yet on my right side. Okay. Like I'm still a little bit limited there and that, so that push off is still a little yeah, yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm about 90% and they say it takes about a full year of, of recovery. Um, yeah, yeah. In terms of stuff I do in the gym, I, I'm pretty much, I'm, I'm, well, I, can, I can basically do what I want. Yeah, strength training is different than high eccentric load. In I mean, terms, jumping or driving yeah, jumping, off the I mean, I can do like pogo jumps. I, I, I certainly would not see myself playing a pickup basketball game or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. But, um, or, I mean, I, and I can maybe do like a, a slow jog. But in terms of like an, a full effort sprint, like, yeah, I'm not quite there yet. But I also haven't really been training it either. Well, and like, so, I'm, so for listeners, I'm, do, I'm, I'm in Boston because so I'm doing a rugby tournament tomorrow, an old boys rugby tournament, which it, it's kind of like- Watch that Achilles. Well, that, that, that's, <laughs> what, that, that's what I've been doing. I've been, so I've been, I've been doing a lot of mountain biking. So my VO2 is really good for mountain biking, but I haven't been doing that much running. So for the past six weeks, I've been doing one or two field workouts a good. week. But that's been one of the first things I've been doing is I pogo. Smart. 
start prepping I, for I, it. Well, yeah. that's just it. As I do the pogo, and I've been doing some change. It I and I started slow. I didn't do aggressive change of direction drills to start. I gave myself a few workouts before I started, mm -hmm. you know, really pushing it. And then I went and started playing um, touch rugby again with one of the local rugby clubs around the old guy. Well, at least you're smart there. about it. Like yeah. you're actually prepping for this weekend. And it's that's what like that's why I looked at it. it. Yeah, I'm not just yeah, because yeah, this age, right at 48, 49 years old. But I look at that, and that's where I want people to kind of. It's good to have people hear that from you yeah. because here you are a widely recognized coach it's like number one things happen crap happens you can't really control it number two do you how much do you listen to your body now and do you have that do you now oh, sure. whereas like 20 years ago you might have just pushed through something and said eff it but now you're like you feel something kind of a little yeah, bit yeah i definitely am not uh you're right when i was 25 i was like oh i gotta go to the gym no matter what now i'm like what am i doing in my life <laughs> like if I if I feel a little under the weather yeah. or just not feeling it that day, like I'll temper my workout accordingly. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I I had a good run. Like that was my first significant injury. I was 44. Yeah. Um, I never I never had a significant injury up to that. So I do I do chalk it up as like you know, stuff happens. Yeah. Um, now were you a baseball player growing up or? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. I, mean, I I played I played all through college. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, you know, Where did you I, play in college? Uh, I played at uh, uh, Onondaga Community College, which is a JUCO in Syracuse, and then I played at Mercyhurst University, which is okay. in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, D2. I turned down a D1 scholarship, oh, by the way, okay. to, to go D2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyone, any athletes listening, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't have to go D1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but uh, what was the question? Uh, oh, was, I didn't realize you were a baseball player. Because yeah. is that when you got, got associated with Eric? Was Well, we, you know, he and I, well, I mean, we just crossed paths a lot on various internet forums okay. in the early 2000s, training internet forums, I okay. should clarify. Um, and then eventually, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, on T Nation and okay. stuff like that. Um, and then eventually, uh, we both ended up working at the same gym in Connecticut. Then we moved to Boston, and then eventually so that, okay. Sports Performance. So, um, yeah. And then obviously, you know, he he's he knows a little bit about the shoulder. Yeah. So you know, it, it made it it, it it was no surprise that we ended up being a, a baseball haven. So to speak, for for players and and did you have you played at all since since the college? last time I had picked up a baseball was in the summer of two thousand eight. Okay. Uh, I played in a, I played a year in an in a, a, a over thirty league. Okay, um, and I have to say, uh, I probably threw harder. Oh, I'm sure. At 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 at, th at that point, I think I was 31, 32 than I did in college because I was stronger. I was and just, you do better mechanics. You probably were using your head I, more. I was yeah. It was it was quite. I was I was kind of mad at my. I just look back and like, man, I wish I could just go back in time and actually t take me now and tell my, me then like, here's how you should be training for to to like you know throw a baseball harder because uh, it might have worked out differently. I mean, yeah. I was a good I was yeah. a good pitcher. Well, um, and I had looks. I just no. I've, I threw 87 miles an hour already. Okay. Like that, no one's oh, really? going to sign that. Like, okay. You know, and nowadays you have to throw 95 minimum to yeah, get, to get, to get signed. Okay. But but uh, but because I mean we're, we're of that age too. We're that generation, Tony. Not only because when we're in the 80s, think about it this way. And I, I point this out to people sometimes on the podcast. Again, listeners, I'm sorry if if you if you're tired of the, the history lesson. But when you look at it, um, when you look at it in the 80s. Not, that was it was like late 80s early 90s and I think it was actually when Michael Jordan came back from his trip from his year spent playing baseball that when that's when athletes really took a look at conditioning year-round because even in the 80s I mean the whole reason you have spring training in two days is for guys to get in shape to play the sport because mm -hmm. usually they, the season ended and they would go hunting they go fishing sure. and they wouldn't do much 
And now we've seen this evolution now. Am I, because in the 80s, they used to think that even the 70s and 80s, they thought strength training was unathletic. Mm -hmm. It made people less of an athlete. I mean, has you, I mean. Yeah, I mean, early, so we're talking, you know, 2007 was when we opened up Crusty Sports Performance. And we definitely saw um, uh, um, a uh, underserved population. It was kind of an old boys club, like yeah. pitchers run poles, yeah. you know, strength training to make you bulky and slow, yeah. excuse me. Um, Certainly, there was a bit of, you know, the Bash brothers helped kind of break that mold a little bit. Conseco, McGuire, and they getting big muscles and, you know, they're hitting the ball pretty far. But it was still generally an old boys club in terms of, like, how strength and conditioning was looked at. Yeah. Uh, kind of frowned on. Um, now, I think it's it's like it's 180 around. degrees. It's yeah, like, yeah. you know, I think, uh, you know, baseball players, pitchers in particular, understand the importance of strength training and arm maintenance and, you know, how how training your entire body will protect your elbow and your shoulder in terms of being able to maintain your mechanics, you know, when you're under fatigue uh, and stuff like that, so. But think um, about athletes, like, because here we are in Boston, like Larry Bird had his back issues. Mm -hmm. You know, think about athletes that maybe in the 80s, that if they had the strength and conditioning now, we talk about records, and where I'm going with this is you have, like, with baseball, you made the reference to anabolic steroids, people taking PEDs performance-enhancing drugs. But really, I would say that athletes in the, in the late 20-teens and, and now in the 2020s, if you're sleeping right, if you're eating well, if you're on a, you know, the right type of program, you don't need to be taking PEDs to be able to perform head and shoulders above what athletes yeah, did 25, I mean, 30 years ago. It isn't about the supplement, like what's the new and latest supplement. It's like yeah. I always tell people, like, are you getting enough sleep? Are you drinking enough water? Are you eating for your goals? Uh, and then, yeah, and then, yes, we can have a conversation on, like, you know, your, your training, like, you yeah. know, looking at, like, okay, how much volume are you actually doing? Are you overtraining? Whatever. But um, it's, in terms of the metrics outside of the gym, you head on. Like, sleep, to me, is, that's the best supplement. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's you, funny, because I, I told you, I, I came in last night on, on the plane, and it was uh, whatever, and um, I'm here, I'm, like, on West Coast time, and I feel like, and I haven't had a drink in years. I don't, I don't drink, but I feel a little, a little hungover today. Yeah. Because I got maybe oh, four and a half, five hours yeah. of sleep. Yeah. You know, usually I get about yeah. seven hours of sleep, and I've been, been talking a lot about sleep on the podcast lately. So I was thinking about, it. I was waiting for you, waiting for you to pick me up at the train station. I'm going, I feel a little hungover, and yeah. I'm like, you know, and I'm like, I think it's, it's got to be a lack of sleep. I mean, didn't I say that when I picked you up, Pete? You hungover? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but now I didn't say that. No, but but we're ready to wrap up here. So I want to respect your time. I don't want to hog up too much of it. Um, the one thing I do want to ask about, because this is one thing I've noticed in California, because California went le weed legal, went legal cannabis in 2018. Mm -hmm. And I started hearing, when I was teaching at the Equinox, I started hearing that more people our demographic and our age were drinking less alcohol and would maybe do an edible on the weekend with friends. Now that cannabis is legal here in Massachusetts, and I'm not, I'm not insinuating that you're by any way a stoner, but have you heard people talking about is that been a conversation that um, clients have asked I, you? I'm speaking candidly, I have never, never. Okay. And I, I would, I would admit it if I did. Like, yeah, I'm no, not, but I'm I mean, Bill Clinton. Like, oh, I only, yeah, yeah. I only inhale. I didn't. Uh, but it's legal, I, so there's it's no. It's legal, so. But I, but I've had, I've had a few clients mention in passing that um, edibles and yeah and whatnot, and, and you know, it's just it allows them to chill out and like. But, and that's one of the reasons yeah. why I'm raising it as, as a topic of conversation, um, because I tried. I, I pitched idea a couple of years ago, the idea of fitness association, about let me write an article about cannabis and the effect mm -hmm. on exercise, because we know how alcohol affects affects the body with exercise. I mean, we, we have an idea of caffeine, yep. but there really hasn't been that much out there on on THC, right? I mean, we know CBD is now becoming a more 
available product. Yep. And, and they're all over the place here. Yeah, and what I when I did some research on this, you know, the body has an internal cannabinoid receptor system. I mean, that's why this stuff works, right? If you apply external THC, it's interacting with receptor cells in the brain. That's all it's doing. And I just didn't know, you know, I saw, the reason why I asked, I saw two or three billboards, you know, and I saw some ads, you know, for cannabis, right? For, for times have changed. You know, but that's just, <laughs> but that's just it. And, and as, and, and from what people have told me, from what, what, what colleagues have told me too, is that it's more, it's more acceptable now for people maybe to do it, maybe do an edible as opposed to having two or three glasses of wine. Sure. You know, and I didn't, um, I, I just didn't know what I was going to differ. She loves her wine. She's right. not going to give that up. Yeah. But. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't say that I'm, I'm, I'm well abreast on the, the research. Behind, well, I, yes, obviously we all know alcohol kind of inhibits performance in, in, in yeah. a lot of facets. But you know, I, I would have, I would defer to you in terms yeah. of like the THC cannabis form. But you know, and I just, it, it, if it helps people recover, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, full um, disclosure, I mean, I haven't used it in a while. I mean, yeah. I have. As a former rugby player, that was part of the recovery process. <laughs> was, was, yeah, was, I don't think I don't think the idea is that it's going to enhance performance. Oh, no, right? no, 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 it, no, it is all about just like it was know, more about recovery. And and all the sports leagues, right? I think in yeah. the next NBA and the next NFL players contract, they want the players want. I mean, they're doping them up with opioids and all kinds of nonsense. And the players are like, hey, why why can't we make cannabis? Why are we being tested for weed when you guys give us all kinds of like all this like basically heroin? Yeah, um, I mean, and, and the, I can even think that. I mean, even when it came to like steroids in the '90s, like I, I mean, I really feel that the bulk of the MLB guys who took it didn't take it just to be big. They took it for recovery. I mean, 162 game season, like yeah. you're gonna get banged up. Yeah. So if you take it, they took it just to recover and be able to come back the next day to play and, and another nine innings. Exactly. It wasn't. It wasn't about like getting bigger and hitting a ball farther and, and throwing it harder. I'm sure that was a nice side effect, yeah. I, I suppose, but. Um, you know, they were able to perform at a higher level for a longer period of time. And that's what I've always made so, the argument about with, with those type of drugs is, I mean, your body produces testosterone naturally. Your body produces growth hormone naturally. All they realize, and again, it comes back to the Soviets because they're the ones who realize this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let's give, let's give Andre a little more extra, let's give Andre extra testosterone. See if it helps him recover. Oh, yeah. Ooh, well, I'm yeah. gonna recover quicker. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, I don't begrudge anyone from making their own personal choices, but, uh, um, but yeah, certainly I, I'm with you. I see the, the, the changing of the guard, especially when it comes to But think about it. If you're, if you're an athlete, you're 30, 31 years old, and you're getting ready to sign that second contract. I mean, I'd be tempted. I mean, if it's I, a why not? signing a long-term deal for a couple of hundred million dollars. Dude, you're dollars, talking so. about a lot of zeros. <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, worth the risk. Hey, like, exactly. It's, um, it's, like, it's like, why not? And, and you sit there, and we're kind of joking about it, but at our age, right? I mean, testosterone, people, guys lose testosterone naturally. Mm -hmm. Andropause is a thing. We lose one to three percent of testosterone production a year. I mean, that's. I mean, you watch any sports, any sports TV. That's one of the reasons I bring this up. Is it, it's always annoyed me that you and I can go to our doctor and say we're not making our, our spouses happy, and the doctor's going to write a script. Oh yeah, here's some he, here's yep. some T gel. Here's some like topical testosterone. Go for it. You know, have fun. But an athlete who has maybe a three to five year window to make as much money in a sport with their body as yeah. possible valid point. is like saying, no, you can't do this. I mean, to me, that's always been somewhat. It never, I mean, per, from a personal standpoint, that stuff never bothered me. Like when yeah. I heard like, oh, you know, all these athletes taking taking steroids in MLB, it's like, uh, it makes sense to me, like from a recovery standpoint. And then, I mean, if it's a matter of like signing a big contract and not, like I kind of yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
you know. But also, and, too, if you think about it, too, I'm, I'm just thinking about some of the stories. I listen to the Dan Patrick show on, I don't know if you've ever listened to that, that, the sports radio, but I'll listen to it on podcasts. And sometimes some of the older guys are on there. They talk about how much they drank in the 70s and oh 80s. Boy, yeah. They talk about all the blow they did in the 80s. Sure. And that's never been my scene. But now if you juxtapose that, you take the baseball players. That if they're out partying after a game in the 80s, and they're out maybe doing whatever they're doing, like after a game and, you know, whatever. And now you have a baseball player where they're at the training table. They're having the, the, the they're having the Tom Brady, whatever it is, um, avocado and, and kale smoothie, and they're getting eight hours of sleep a night. Isn't that a performance enhancement in and of itself? Yeah. <laughs> Do you hear that? No, you barely hear a thing. This is a new Accelerate percussion massage gun by Nimble. I've been using this for the past few weeks and absolutely love it. First, as you can tell, it's not that noisy. If you've ever been in the gym and wondered who the heck is using an air hammer only to find out it's one of those massage guns, you know how loud they can be. This one is super quiet, which means you can use it around other members of your family when they're asleep, either late at night or early in the morning. I saw the first one of these back in 2007 and the cost was more than $2,000. And the prices come down substantially. The way a massage gun works is it activates the muscle spindles and the Golgi tendon organs in your muscle tissue to help relieve tension. There's some great research out there. I've read it. Trust me, I am loving this massage gun. And if you love to exercise, if you love to work out, if you love to push yourself, and you want good sources of recovery so you can get back to that next workout, I highly, highly recommend the Accelerate Massage Gun by Nimble. There'll be a link down below in the show notes. Because you're, you listen to All About Fitness, because you're an All About Fitness listener, use code AAF20. That's AAF20 to save 20% on the purchase of an Accelerate Nimble Percussion Massage Gun of your own. If you're looking for a great source of recovery, I highly recommend it. Information is down below in the show notes. Let's get back to the interview. I mean, if there was social media in the 70s, it would have been a different story, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> it's just what people got away with. But, but it just is able to do that. <laughs> so now, like, to, to wrap it up, so we're, we, I wanted to ask you originally about intensity and training with intensity. So your recommendation is, if for, for people now, too, especially you're hitting your mid-40s, mm-hmm. and you're, what, 44 now? 44, yeah. Okay. I don't know, and I'm not trying to jinx or anything, but I always found the five birthdays for me were harder than the zeros. Right, so like yeah, turning yeah. forty was like eh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. But it's like forty-five is when I started. Like at thirty-five, I started feeling it more than when I was thirty. Yeah, you know, and so I don't just you know, so say that. But as we look at that, like, what is why should listeners, if if listeners have always been a little nervous about, okay, I'm in my forties, I'm in my fifties, I like exercise, maybe I, I don't know if I should really be lifting heavy anymore. Why would you? What's your uh, argument for well, why? Well, heavy is subjective. Like, I mean, if your goal is to lift as much weight as possible then yeah sure powerlifting like de- like the big three sure go at it um i think there's a, a smart way to do that in terms of like recoverable volume and reps and reserve and all that stuff but um from a from a general perspective i think strength is the foundation of a lot of a lot of qualities that we that we we we, we want anyway so whether it's endurance whether it's power endurance strength speed speed strength whatever uh, recovery uh, I think strength is going to be that foundation that all these other attributes kind of pull off of. So if you're not strong to begin with, and again, that's subjective, um, then it's going to be hard to build those other attributes that we're, that we're kind of looking to improve anyway, if that makes any sense. Um, so that to me is, is always going to be like the main hub uh, for most of my clients is like just having, having we're hovering this, this strength concept 
you know, I'm, I understand you're not concerned about deadlifting, you know, two times body weight or whatever, although a lot of my clients are interested in doing that. Um, was that something that they kind of aspire to after they start working? Well, I think they, ha they hang out with me long enough and they're like, they, you know, it's not uncommon to come in here on a Saturday and there's like three separate people at Trap Bar deadlifting at the yeah, same okay. time, you know, like they, they come here like it's deadlift day when they come, when they come see me in person they and they're doing all their other stuff. Well, like, the heavier stuff themselves. is done with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the more coaching intensive stuff is kind of done under my eye um, and the more like ran or the more like less coaching intensive stuff they're doing on their own. Um, but yeah, like in terms of like strength and like, yeah, I just think that that, that is the main, that is the main quality that a lot of other stuff is, is based off of. Um, I think that makes sense. That makes sense. And, um, and now the one thing I, I'd recommend, we, we were talking about this again before hitting record, you have a lot of stuff available on your blog. You have programs that people can buy mm -hmm. and follow. And the one thing I really would love to see you do is put out an ebook or two. It's not uh, that hard. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. It, as I, you know, as cost you got other mind, stuff. I have, that. yeah, you, I know you and I were saying that like, I have, a couple, a couple thousand blog posts. I could probably. Yeah. There's a book there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's you know, all you need to do is get a good editor who can kind of go through. Eventually, your I'll do that. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hoping to start venturing out and traveling more with workshops in the, in the coming year. Um, I'm hoping to release a, um, a, a program geared towards 40 plus or geared towards dads. Um, you know, in the coming, hopefully, maybe by the fall. I think that'll be kind of a good target date. So there's stuff looming. Good, it's just a matter you, of time. Get you to say, get you to put it out there. Yeah. Now the, the final thing I want to end with is this: Die Hard or Lethal Weapon? Die Hard. The better Christmas movie. Uh, oh, the better Christmas. Better Christmas movie. movie. Uh, Which one has a better? I still Christmas? like Die. I never was a Lethal Weapon. Never. I never got into it really. Okay. Um, I'm more just Die Hard either way. Okay. That'd be more of my flavor. Well, it's funny because you know but, you see Die Hard. They always play Die yes, Hard at yes, Christmas. Yes. And I, I forgot. But, but Lethal Weapon, the entire it is it it's is a Christmas like, movie. It is a Christmas movie. Yeah, like and, it's based in Christmas. Yeah. And, and the final scene is yeah, you're right. Mel Gibson going by and giving you know it, you right. Riggs giving yeah. Murtaugh the right. the bullet that he was going to allegedly yeah. shoot himself with. No spoiler. That movie's 35 <laughs> years old. I'm not going to do a spoiler. You get next next year you're winning of six cents now, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it? Well, what is it about? I mean, what is it about Die Hard that makes it such an iconic movie? Uh, I, I I guess I mean I don't know if you listen to the Rewatchables with Bill Simmons. And, uh, that's my favorite movie podcast. Oh, okay, yeah. No, uh, I'm gonna have to do that. The Rewatchables. Uh, the Rewatchables. That's is yeah. awesome. Okay, like, yeah. They, I mean, they they've done Die Hard. They've done all the Lethal Weapons. But I don't know, maybe it's just because it's it, no, no one expected Bruce Willis to be. An action. Yeah, that's think that was his first. I think that was, that was his, his first. first like he was coming off moonlighting. I yeah, think, yeah. Uh, with with Sybil Shepherd, um, you know. But Die Hard. I think too. Die Hard. Like I think Bruce Willis. Die Hard. He was like the first kind of action hero that wasn't like this beefed up, roided out looking person. It was just like normal looking dude. True. Yeah. So yeah. I think that there was probably a lot of it played into that. Like that people John can kind of people could kind of like associate themselves more with him. Yeah. With John McClane than they could Predator. Um, so. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that. And what what '80s movie are you looking forward to? We were talking about the skin a little bit too before you record. You have a son who who you're starting to watch more movies with, and obviously I wouldn't suggest you he would watch these yet. But like, what '80s movies are you looking forward like to? Yeah, he's not gonna watch Die Hard. Yeah, no, no, no. We've watched some aggressive stuff though. Like he's obsessed with. We've watched The Hobbit. We've yeah, watched, yeah. You know, he's, he doesn't get scared by orcs or dragons, which is kind of okay. That's I don't cool know to think about that. But um, <laughs> in terms of '80s movies. Um, like which I mean, ones? I watched you? all the Star Wars already, so okay. I can't say them. Yeah. Um, I think you had mentioned Goonies, so I think Goonies would be a good one. Um, E.T. You haven't seen E.T. with him? Not yet? with him yet. Okay. No. Uh, so probably hovering, yeah, the, and, and and maybe maybe Raiders. Stuff yeah, like actually, that. yeah, Raiders. So, would be. 
I mean, oh, I think Last Crusade is the best one. Okay. Do you um, think Last Crusade is better than, than the original? Well, I think, yeah, I just, I, I enjoy the one with, it's the one with Sean Connery, if I'm correct, yeah, 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 yeah. the Last Crusade. I, I just think, yeah, that I, I enjoy that one the most. Um, Raiders gets a little bit slow. It does, um, yeah. It kind of drags a little. I mean, it's, it's excellent. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to, like, hate, like, anyone, yeah, like, yeah. roast me for saying Raiders yeah, is no, bad. No, but uh, I, I would agree. I would, I would say Last Crusade. Well, I would say, yeah, Goon needs to be a good one, because, you know, because I think he'll, he'll be able to see young kids, and, like, they're going on an adventure, and that would kind of be cool to him. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of surprising how much we've already watched. <laughs> no, yeah. His dad loves movies, and he definitely watches them with me. So it's, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to all the other ones we will. Like, you know, once we get into like, uh, I don't know, Goodfellas and stuff like that. When he's not quite there yet. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not, not going to put it uh, put on there yet. But I'm looking forward to all that stuff. Yeah, I got my older daughter's already looking forward. She turns nine in a few weeks, and she's looking forward. I can't wait till I'm 13 and watch PG-13. I'm like, kid, you can already watch PG-13. Yeah, with you're me. fine. Just, yeah, let's, let's, PG-13 back yeah. then is. Nothing. Yeah. That's like one or two swear words. It's like day. PG now. Yeah, yeah, yeah that. So where can people get information about yeah. you? Because you got a lot of killer stuff. I love, I love your Instagram. Again, that's one of those areas where I get get ideas from. I love your blog posts because again, it's entertaining. I love the way you write in terms of just very, just kind of like lighthearted, engaging. I like to write how I talk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, but TonyJohnCore.com. So it's my name. It was the hub. That's blog. That's social media. That's podcast appearances. It's all. Uh, Work, uh, upcoming workshops, products, all that stuff. So yeah, you're looking forward to getting out there. And I am. I, I, I I'm just starting to put stuff in the calendar, which feels good. So I'll yeah. be heading to uh, England, fingers crossed, in September. I'm kind of oh, hedging cool. my bet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gonna open up and it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and then I just uh, confirmed uh, Orlando in February. Oh, cool. Um, and I'm hoping to maybe go to Charleston, South Carolina, this fall. Is that is Orlando going to be your own workshop? Or are you doing no, that that's going to be that's going to be part of a bigger like three day event. Is that um, PB or no? It's okay. uh, it's a new, it's a new one. Okay. okay. Um, the guys hosting have done a lot of virtual ones, and this will be ah. the first in person. I really, dude. Um, I think people are gonna blow up. I think because I think so. People are so Zoom fatigued. Oh yeah. I think when you start going live, man. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm doing yeah, my first live event like, in August. The one going, I cannot wait to go to to England. Um, London's my yeah. favorite city, and I love okay. going to London. But you know, my wife. She's gone away a few times uh, in, the, in the past several weekends, and I have not. So you know, I'm gonna go. Well, I'll be able to go by myself for yeah, ten yeah, days yeah. across seas, and um, you yeah, know, like I said, fingers crossed that, that, I, that I can. I'll actually, I'm, I'm pretty confident I'll be able to pull it off. Like I got my 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 colleague over there who I present with. Um, you know, he keeps me abreast of all What's this happening? stuff that's going on, and he he says like, yeah, there's not gonna be an issue in September. So. Um, let's I'm just let's hope. Cool. But, but certainly getting putting stuff in the calendar rather than taking out is a nice feeling. That's it, exactly, and just getting out there. Alright, well Tony General Core here is it just core or is it core? Core, yeah, core. core. Yeah, just Brookline, core. Brookline, Massachusetts. Yes. Appreciate pleasure, it. And good catching up. Always a pleasure. That was a fun conversation. Now, hundred percent clarity here. We recorded that in the studio. We had microphones, we were trying to wear microphones. Apparently I lost the clips for the lab microphones I had, so we're kind of holding them in place. If you want to see the inside of Tony's studio, I'm going to have this interview up on the YouTube channel, the All About Fitness Podcast YouTube channel, so you can see two uh, middle-aged guys talking strength training on uh, All About Fitness, the YouTube channel, All About Fitness Podcast on the YouTube channel. But this was a lot of fun. As I said, Tony and I had crossed paths a number of years ago, and it's been I've been following his work now for a number of years. I've had him, I've interviewed him when I've been writing articles for the American Council on Exercise. I really respect his insights. I respect what he does. And it just, no matter what field you work in, you could be in computer programming, you could be 
a tradesperson, whatever, whatever field you work in, you know that you respect other people that do the same job you do at, at a high level of competence with a high level of skill. And that's Tony. And it really is. It's I try to surround myself with the winners and I try to run with the winners. And to be honest, one of the reasons why I started doing this podcast is because in my role as an educator and in my role as a consultant, I, I have the opportunity to have a lot of great friendships and relationships with, with people like Tony. And I want to be able to bring you insights in those conversations to what we talk about, how we approach fitness, how we approach life. And like I said in the beginning, like I said in the introduction, I mean, sometimes it can be hard. Even though we do exercise, even though we do fitness, I mean, heck, you heard me talk about little weight gain I've had in the last number of months. I exercise and stay fit, but if I get off my diet, if I get off a good meal plan or good eating plan, I pack on weight pretty quickly. And now I'm in the in the process of taking it off. So a little update on that. As I'm recording this, it's a little bit more. It's about three weeks, not quite three weeks since my doctor's appointment. I'm already down about 10 pounds. And literally all I've done is cut out junk food. I, th- I mean, come on, I, I've still had one or two things, but I'll have a bite of chocolate instead of having the whole candy bar or having the whole bag of, of whatever it is. But I've been working hard. I've been paying attention to what I've been eating. I've been exercising. I've been doing some posting about that. And I'm really, uh, I, I want to say that I'm down about 10 pounds. And I want to thank uh, some of you out there who wrote in to, to say you're on the same journey. I'm going to have some of uh, some of that on my next quick fit tip to to follow up with that and then to really give you guys some recognition. So I appreciate that. But this was a fun conversation. This was great insights. And I really just, I wanted you to hear how we as fitness professionals, those of us that get paid to make half naked people sweaty, because in reality, that's what we do, right? You you look at what we do for work. (laughs) That's our job when it comes to fitness. Anybody in fitness, we're one of the few, we're one of the few careers you can have where you might see your clients naked uh, in the locker room changing after a class or changing after a workout. Um, but yeah, I, I always I always make that joke that my job is to make half-naked people sweaty. I say that because at the end of the day, that's what it is. And you're, you're, you're having a positive impact on people. You're helping people live a healthier life. You're helping people make changes in their life. And number one, it's an honor to have that opportunity. So for you listening out there, I want to say thank you for taking the time to tune in because looking at the numbers, a lot of you are listening and it's an honor to have you give me some of your time and I try to make it valuable by putting good content out there. So I want to say thank you for that. And also I put a lot of good content writing wise on PeteMcCallFitness.com and I'm really looking forward to the release of Ageless Intensity. That's my next book coming out in early August 2021. Ageless Intensity, there'll be a pre-order link down in the show notes. Great conversation. I think I've said that about eight or nine or 20 times, but I mean it um, with Tony Gentlecore. If you haven't checked out his blog, please go do that, TonyGentlecore.com. And no matter what you do, no matter what happens in life, I know sometimes schedules get out of control. I know sometimes things can get just tough. Try to make time for 10 or 15 minutes a day of just getting up and moving. Even if you can't make it to the gym for your regular workout, even if you can't go lift the amount of weight you want to lift or do what you want to do, I really just highly recommend that you get up, go move, because if anything else, a little bit of something is better than a lot of nothing. That is one thing I've learned in the last 20-something years, is that just movement is key. And even if you can't make it to the gym for a heavy lift session, just getting up for a walk around the block is a heck of a lot better than doing nothing at all. So with that, reach out to me, Pete, at PeteMcCallFitness.com. 
That's Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. Follow the podcast, All About Fitness Podcast on Instagram. That's the All About Fitness Podcast on Instagram. It's also the same thing on YouTube, All About Fitness Podcast on YouTube. And as always, thank you for stopping by. And I do look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.